Welcome, everybody. This is Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction. It's only bloody lockdown 2.0. It's only uh, stupid lockdown again. Um, yeah, we're back in lockdown. So you know what that means. It means me and Chris. Hello. <laughs> See how happy he is to be back. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to just record some me and Chris podcasts. But, I, you know, I think those go fine. So welcome to Ruth is Stranger Than Fiction, your favourite podcast, all things weird and East Anglian. I am, of course, your host, Ruth McPhee, and as established, Chris is with us as well. Vinny's around the place. He'll squeak up, no doubt. We have a very interesting story today. I only came across this quite recently. It's very peculiar. It goes quite far back into history, further than we usually go. Mm. Yes. Are you intrigued? Mm. Today we do the story... The Green Children of Woolpit. Where is Woolpit? It is in Suffolk. I'm glad you asked. It's in Suffolk. Not too far from Bury St Edmunds. Oh, OK. It's a small village in Suffolk. On the subject of the Green Children of Woolpit, what are we drinking? Oh, well, I bought... You did mention that was a title and said yeah. that there was some... Potentially, it was a bit kind of green manish. Mm. And uh, I happened to be in the shop the other day and remembered that Oakham Ales Citra... Delicious. Has a kind of green man on the front. Oh, actually, now I look at it, he's basically he's leafy. A, he's a hop, isn't he? He's a leafy he's hop. A, he's man. a hop cone with a face. But he's in the style of the traditional green man. Yes, I'd exactly. Say. Yeah. But cleverly rendered through hops. Plus, they used to sell it in the Green Man Pub in mm. Grantchester. Sure. Delicious citra. I'm on board. And if we have enough story, we'll have a different crazy drink after. But for now, we'll drink this one. So this is an oddity, and no mistake. It's the 12th century. That's a long time ago. Yep. Can you believe it? Pre-Magna Carta. Yes. Isn't Magna Carta sometime in the... No, you're right. Magna Carta's 1215. <laughs> I think so. I only know it's because yeah. it was on pointless. It was day. on pointless. <laughs> yeah, so it's the 12th century. We think it's the reign of King Stephen. When you say we think? Myself and other scholars of the oh, Green Children of Woolpits. Right, okay. There is, you know, the dates are a bit cloudy. but there's no, there's no dispute as to the dates that King Stephen reigned. No, that's 1135 to 1154. It's only disputed whether he was king when the Green Children right. took place. Uh, it could have also been Henry II, who's after, I think. Oh, should have looked at the uh, at, uh, at the shop I used to work at. We sold a, a wooden ruler that had all the kings and queens of England there you go, on perfect. it. I needed that. I didn't look close enough. But cheating in exams? No, not cheating. No. Helping. Well. <laughs> I don't know if you take a ruler into your exams with you. Uh, maybe, yeah, probably, you were, probably not in a history exam. I bet you were bloody underlining everything with your ruler. I used to just go willy-nilly, draw a line. No, come yeah. on crazy now wool pit in suffolk what would that name imply to you a pit full of wool mm. but no, <laughs> no. I, I too was surprised to learn it's got nothing to do with wool right. um it's quite a bit more interesting than that actually the name of the village stems from the old english word wolf pit i think i'm saying that correct with my, I mean, it sounds a lot like the current English my word. My vast <laughs> knowledge of Old English, Wolf Pit. Right. Um, How's it spelled in Old English? It is spelt W U L F 
hyphen P-Y-T-T wolf pit. And this was a a kind of large pit which was used for trapping wolves. These pits, they were large. You have to think if you're going to trap some wolves, that's going to be a big pit. Deep. Depends how many wolves you want in there at one time. Wide. You would put carrion inside it Mm -hmm. and then do the classic thing, cover it over with leaves and branches. So the wolves would be attracted to the carrion, come sniffing around and, of course, not realise it was a pit and plummet it through. Would there be sharpened stakes at the bottom? Uh, there's no talk of stakes, no, but that's what, I do. that's what you do with a bear pit, isn't it? Is it? I think. and Or a human pit, if you're a hillbilly. I was thinking zombies. Oh, right. <laughs> that's good. So you're thinking you would be digging the pit, zombies would be going in. I'm thinking the hillbillies would be digging the pit. <laughs> and you're and going I'm, in. And I'm going in. Too many horror films on both sides, I think. Now, there were several such pits around the area. Wolves, of course... Were just lived in, yeah, in England at that England. time. There's often talk of reintroducing them, isn't there? Yeah, in Scotland, I think. Yeah. I don't think there's that many places in the rest of the UK where you could Too many farmers. have wolves. Yeah. Wouldn't be happy about their sheep. No. Do you know when wolves became extinct in, the fif- no. in uh, England? Hmm, no, I don't. It was the 15th century. Uh, until then, there were wolves all through the UK. And the reason that they, they became extinct was nothing but human behaviour. And well, that's no surprise. <laughs> no, no surprise at all. And in fact, there had been a series of royal decrees from the kind of 12th century onwards calling for the extermination of wolves. So saying to people, you know, hunt them, make these wolf pits, do what you can to eradicate wolves from the UK. Were you paid for killing a wolf? You turned, um, turned up at the palace with a tail? I don't know. I don't, I don't no. know about that. I wouldn't have thought so because that would be so much money. For the crown to shell out, wouldn't it? But no, it, it just meant that steadily they declined and then the population was, was gone. Very sad. But these wolf pits, of course, around the village of Woolpit, they would have seen it as a necessary way to protect the village. So yeah, of course. they had these all around the place. Now, we'll come back to that wolf pit business. But before we get right into our story, I should say a little bit about why it has survived so long. And as I said, this is going back quite a lot further than we normally do on this podcast. The reason that this tale has survived and that quite a lot of details about it are still known, although possibly disputed, there are actually two accounts from later in the 12th century by chroniclers of English history and, and you know, the goings on of everyday life um, who, who wrote about this situation. The first such chronicler is a man by the name of Ralph of Cogshall. Ralph of Cogshall. As many of these chroniclers were, he was a monk. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably the only person who could write. <laughs> and later he was um, the abbot at Cogshall Abbey, which is in Essex, about 20 miles from Woolpit. So he actually would have, you know, it's the probably area. almost first hand. Almost first hand. You know, people, he probably spoke to people, he still remembered this happening. Mm. And the second chronicler was William of Newburgh. And he was from miles away. But obviously the story had kind of reached him through his investigations um, into the goings-on of of England. And he published a book called History of English Affairs in 1198. So still it's a long time after, but it's not too many generations distant. Mm. And that History of English Affairs goes from 1066. Right. So he started with the, uh, the old William the Conqueror. I imagine business. him as like uh, Henry of Baskerville from uh, The Name of the Rose. I thought you probably would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And modern accounts of the story are drawn quite heavily from these sources, as you might expect, although there are differences between them in some in some aspects. In particular, I've used the book Hidden History by Brian Horton. And Brian oh, Horton's... Former Man City manager, Brian Horton. Uh, 
I don't think so. No. Folklore expert, okay. Brian Horton. Um, and his website also has quite a big extensive discussion of the green children of Woolpit as well. So I had a look at that. Now, who were these green children? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm who were they? What happened with them? It all starts at harvest time one year. We can't say which year for sure. No. A local Woolpit man was out in the area around the village. He spotted a very strange sight near to one of the wolf pits. Standing just at the edge of the wolf pit, not inside luckily, were two children, a girl and a boy. Just standing there, no adults nearby, no one to be seen, nothing at all, just these two children. The clothes that they were wearing were very unfamiliar in style to this wolf pit man. Strange, foreign looking. Even more strange was the fact that the children's skin had a distinctly green tone to it. A little green girl and boy wearing strange clothing. Here's a quote from William of Newburgh. I think I just realised I said Henry of Baskerville from the name of, Ro- name of the Rose. And of course it's William of Baskerville. Henry Baskerville is from the Hound of the Baskervilles. You can just pop that in though. <laughs> just record yourself saying William Baskerville. William of Baskerville. You can edit that in. <laughs> or just include this. Here's a quote from William. There emerged two children, a male and a female, green of the entire body, and dressed in clothing of extraordinary colour and unknown material. When questioned by the Woolpit man, oh, who are you, what are you doing here, that kind of thing, in a Suffolk drawl, it transpired the pair could not speak English at all. They didn't know what he was talking about. But they did speak some other language, Mm. which they communicated to each other in, but not a language that this Woolpit man recognised. Right, if only he'd been the monk. Yes, what you're saying, it might have maybe Latin. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, a monk would have been a person who might have been able to understand different languages. That's true. They might have recognised other languages. But it sounded very strange to his ear, very strange indeed. And that, you can imagine, combined with this green skin, very peculiar. Maybe they're from the future. Future children. Yeah, wearing shell suits. He hadn't seen a shell suit in the the 1100s. And their skin was green because? Mm, I haven't worked that bit out yet. Okay. So you're suggesting he's come across... By this wolf pit, two future children wearing shell suits. Exactly. Okay, speaking like the modern language. Exactly, yes. Speaking the colloquial language of the 80s. Exactly, the late <laughs> 80s, yeah. Could be. That would be confusing to a wool pitter. He doesn't know what of... mega means. <laughs> oh, the 80s. He wasn't sure what else to do, so he took them to the manor home of a local knight, <laughs> Sir Richard Decane. He was like, you know, the bigwig in the area. Yeah. So I guess they thought, what should we do? Take him to the bigwig. Take them there. Um, also, maybe they thought if anyone can provide for him, because, you know, we don't know where they've come from. Have they got any parents? Are they orphans? Who knows? One of the first priorities, it was decided at the manor house, was to get this strange and frightened pair of siblings something to eat. How long Seems have reasonable. they been in the woods? We don't know. They were looking, you know, scared, hungry, mm. dishevelled a bit. All this stuff. But here the strangeness only continued. Both the chroniclers, Ralph and William, agreed that the children refused all food and only cried when it was offered to them. For several days this carried on. They were offered all kinds of different things, things that the servants of the house could think to try and tempt them. Drink as well, or just food? I think drink, but they would have some water. Right. But they wouldn't eat anything. Until at last, one item of proffered food did appeal to them. Some raw beans. What kind of beans? I think green ones. (laughs) 
but maybe I've just made that assumption. They're the opposite of most children, and that they will only eat green food. <laughs> and they ate these very, very eagerly and with right. great excitement, just stuffing them in. I think I read they were like eating them like from the pods, and then the people were like, "No, no, you have to like take the beans out of the pods. Don't just like nom it all down." I have no time for that. And for a while, this was all they would eat was these raw beans. But the members of the household gradually managed over several months to wean them onto bread and then onto some other staple items. They were there for several months. They were. So they started to eat food that wasn't green, just normal things. However, despite this, I'm afraid to say, the boy began to sicken. How could they tell if he was already green? (laughs) He became listless. (laughs) Um, As we always say on this podcast, he fell into a decline. Oh dear. He grew depressed. The nature of his illness is not clear, but he sickened, he grew weak, he grew listless. Before too long, the boy died. I wasn't expecting anything quite that sudden. Every single time on this podcast, I say someone falls into a decline. Right. They I, I always die. What it means by now. Yeah, every time everyone's like, What? I didn't expect this. <laughs> By now, you have to expect it. Well, you're contracting time, so for, as far as we're concerned, it's coming out of the blue. Yeah, We've but only I'm just not. This person exists. I'm not recounting dead. every day of their lives, am I? Oh, <laughs> in the real ne- time. Yeah, oh, God, can that would be intolerable? It's conceptual, that's for sure. Oh, a bit Warhol. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not Warhol. I'm never going to make that claim. Now, the boy was the younger of the two, and he, as I say, sickened and died. The girl, however, began to flourish. Oh well. Her skin began to lose its green tint. And she started to learn English. She worked for a long time as a servant in the manor of Sir Richard. So she stayed living there, but obviously, you know, he's not going to make her into his daughter or whatever. So she works in the, like in the kitchens and in the, with the scullery maids. Horton reports she was even baptised. So this was a sure sign that she had sort of successfully integrated herself into Suffolk life. She accepted the... um... Christian faith. Well, and that they sort of saw her as being a, a, an acceptable Actually, she could have Christian. been baptised against her will, couldn't she? No, I don't think she was, though. I think, you know, she 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 was speaking English. She was, you know, <laughs> eating non-green food. <laughs> uh, she was making the beds, whatever. So they were like, yes, we should we I should. Suppose, I suppose that's drowning, you. isn't it? Bapt- baptism against your will is a drowning. It's waterboarding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Some research has gone into the life of this as girl and it seems to suggest she took the name Agnes. You know, she's she's like, right, I'm getting involved. Getting involved with Woolpit. Once she could learn English, of course, you can imagine what the first question was. Why am I so green? No. Oh. <laughs> not that she asked. Oh, I see. She... <laughs> she's not suddenly... If she was questioning herself, she could have done it before. <laughs> Just in her own language. Exactly. No. From the people. Oh, well, um, who are you? Yeah, where did you come from? Yeah. Why, why indeed, were you so green? <laughs> so, of course, everyone wanted to learn about her origins. Where had she come from? Why, how had they ended up by the wolf pit? You know, where were their family? Were they orphans? All this sorts of stuff. So she explained that, well, I say she explained. doesn't sound like she explained that much, to be honest. She said that she couldn't really account for her arrival at the village. So they, she says her and her brother, they'd been looking after her father's cattle. And as she said, they sort of become lost and mm. then followed the sound of chiming bells. And then suddenly they found themselves without quite knowing how they'd got there by this wolf pit. Sounds like they've accidentally travelled through time. Very strange. There's a slight difference here as well. 
in the versions between Ralph and William. In Ralph's version, she recounted that her and her brother went into a cave and wandered for many hours in this sort of this uh, mysterious caverns and caves. And again, eventually heard this chiming of bells and were able to follow the bells back out into the into the world. She was questioned where they'd lived before. She said the land of St. Martin. Strange. Nowhere called St. Martin in the area. She says, Ralph adds, it was a place where the sun never shone and everything and everyone was green. A strange twilight world. Very strange. Uh, And she says the land was separated from the land of sunlight by a huge broad river, which the children had, had somehow crossed over this huge river and found themselves in this land of sunlight. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine where in real terms that might mean. I know, I was from. just waiting to see if you could offer any explanation. Uh, yeah, um, yeah I, I wondered. But you're just staring at me. me. Well, no, I was thinking. Very odd. So really, that didn't shed any light on things. No. And you can imagine it only actually speculation became rife. What was this mysterious twilight world where the sun never shone? Who were these green people? What is St. Martin's land? All this kind of thing. However, you know, no answers were forthcoming at the time, so people just have to get on with things. Agnes, or if indeed that was her name, um, she did eventually uh, marry. She married a man from King's Lynn. Oh, uh, and took the name. There. Yes. And, well, I don't suppose there were many people in Woolpit, so she took no, but the if name. Woolpit is near Bury St Edmunds, King's Lynn is not that close. In fact, it's an entirely different county. It is a different county. And it's the far end of the other county. What, you're saying how did she find this Well, no, man? I mean, I'm not, I'm just... People travelled. Yeah, sure. Maybe she wandered into a cave system. <laughs> came out in uh, King's Inn. Mm. <laughs> Maybe King's Inn was the dark land. She eventually married this man from King's Lynn, whose surname was Barr. So um, the the name that is sort of, you know, people consider that her name was Agnes Barr. Mm. And of course, um, some people have tried to kind of trace back to Agnes Barr and see what her ancestry was. And it suggested that there are probably still descendants from Agnes Barr. Yeah. And potentially this strange green green business. Uh, Although, of course... By the time she got married, the green was the green long gone. gone. But the green jeans are probably lying in, in white. Be. Well, yeah. interesting that you say that because Ralph, the monk, he says, if he's to believe, he says uh, that she became known for being rather loose and wanton in her conduct. Mm-hmm. Ralph, you judgmental monk. So he suggests she was a bit loose, a right. bit wanton. But did just that mean a bit wild? I don't know. Where's he getting it from? Well... Gossip, I expect. Yeah, there you go then. The gossip of the of the uh, area. So that's that's basically the story. The story itself is is not too long and involved. No. But what's quite interesting is because of these two accounts of it through these early medieval chronicles, it's be it stayed in uh, the kind of uh, consciousness. It stayed in literature, and it's been uh, studied a lot by later writers who are interested in folklore, English history, yeah. all that kind of thing. And of course, everyone who studies it wants to try and explain or, you know, make an idea, a theory about where they came from and why the bloody hell were they so green? Mm. So what, I mean, what's your first thought? There's no rational reason that they could be green, is there? Like, they could have had jaundice and they could have been a bit yellow. Mm. Not green, though, is it? I mean, they could have been rolling in the grass and got a bit green, but you'd have a wash (laughs) and that would come off. They got grass stained, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, that's what I'm, I'm saying. That's how ridiculous it is. There's no... Well, I can't. There's I'm, there's no explanation. Tell me, well, what what are the explanations for why I'll they're green? I'll tell you then? a couple of of interesting things. So, what seems most likely 
from my reading and that it's kind of agreed upon by by some writers is that there was a, a grain of truth in the story probably that two lost children mm. wandered into Woolpit one day and were taken to live with Sir Richard because that does seem quite well documented. There are these accounts of it. There is the suggestion that it, Agnes Barr was, was one of the children. But that over the years, and even when both the chroniclers were, were writing about it, it was written in such a way that it kind of meshed in with existing folklore right? as a way of, even at the okay. time that people were so trying to explain it. So actually green. It's just that the children of the forest yeah. type folklore or... Yeah. Yeah, so there was already this kind of existing idea of like woodland people, yeah. like fairy folk. Yeah, the elves. That would live in the woods and, and perhaps... Changelings. Exactly. So all this kind of thing, these strange children kind of emerging out of the woods. Right. Sort of tied in to that. And um, basically everything about the way that they're written about is emphasising this idea of otherness, that they were this other really yeah. strange. So yeah. even though it's they're called kind of children and it turns out they ended up you know agnes lived the life of a human woman uh, it really emphasizes the differences like their clothes were so strange their language was so strange yeah. all this kind of thing to emphasize that idea of them being kind of almost otherworldly or different to humans fairy folk yeah green used to be the color of the devil as well oh really yeah when did he become red i think it was relatively recent right the red devil probably somebody was trying to be demonized well maybe was coke were trying to sell some <laughs> some uh, some coke. Well, Santa is an anagram of Satan. <laughs> it all ties together. Oh my god, conspiracy! And also the um, idea of in the Ralph the Monk's version of it, where they go into the caves and get lost in the caves. That's quite a folklorey thing yeah, of this yeah. idea of cave mysterious caves and underworld kind of things. And of course, the Green Man, as we have on our Citra again, yes. that woodland folk. Yeah, and... a kind of deity. Of the mm. woods. That also is it kind of plays on the idea of the strange worlds that's always in twilight and this mm. almost yeah. subterranean yeah. world, which again the fairy folk and things underground, yeah, strangeness. Living, living in a kind of parallel world to our world. Yes. And these children have accidentally like popped yeah, through. Come through the gaps. They've popped through somehow. And that, as I said, that idea about um, describing Agnes as being kind of wanton is almost again like she was wild like she kept this streak of sort of wildness yeah. within her that might accord with the idea of being like a a fairy or a kind of unhuman thing a sprite a spirit a mischievous kind of creature but it's probably also just a damning way of um referring to things or people that you either don't agree with or don't understand well it? sure and especially from a monk yeah <laughs> although william baskerville William of Baskerville was... Very open-minded. Very open-minded, wasn't he? Yeah. If, uh, I was going to say, if the name of the rose is to believed, that's the only place he exists. It's fictional. He's not real! Oh, God! He's not bloody real. Okay, now, you said you didn't think there could be an explanation <laughs> for why they were green. Well, I, I have now just, in my mind, remembered a conversation <laughs> we had earlier in the week about arsenic. Okay, well... I wonder if that's where you're going. Tell me about arsenic. Well... Based on my limited understanding of the facts, <laughs> arsenic can provide a green dye, can't it? Or it can, can be used as a green dye. Yes. And it is sometimes, or ill-advisedly in the past, been used in clothing and wallpaper. Yes. Until the point at which it realised that it was making Poisonous. people sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, this was much later, but it was used as a dye 
I think, sort of 18th, 19th century. So ladies of society would have dresses that uh, were made from fabric that was dyed with arsenic and it was discovered arsenic would make this incredibly vibrant green. Paris which, green. Which had not been possible before and so everyone went mad for this uh, arsenic green dresses and then they would basically be wear these dresses and as we know with arsenic it's a cumulative effect so probably one day wear that dress not too much problem but if you keep having contacts over and over again with this uh, arsenic dress then that is going to have quite severe ramifications for your health. I believe the issue is when it gets wet it uh, turns into kind of arsenic vapour which ingested in small amounts will make you sick and ingested in large amounts will kill you. Eventually kill you so as i say this is a long time later but there has been a suggestion that arsenic poison can not necessarily from dye but just uh, repeated exposure to arsenic mm. can lead to a change in pigmentation of the skin how, how does Possibly. arsenic exist in the wild like obviously it's an, <laughs> it's an element sure but it's, if i were to you know farm myself some arsenic well isn't mm, it's a mineral so is it, it must is it occur a mineral? in yeah so it must occur in um like the earth, the earth yeah, yeah. That's a good question. So are certain areas rich in arsenic? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe Barry St. Edmunds is rich in arsenic. You're saying we should farm some arsenic? No, I'm not saying we should. <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Well, it's hmm, a white powder, but I'm assuming it gets ground up from something. What's a lot of assumptions we make? Yeah, I don't know. If only we knew about science. Oh, God. All we know is for sure it's an element. Yep. Of the periodic table. Yep. So that's been one suggestion. They somehow had been exposed to enough arsenic to change the pigmentation of their skin and give it a little bit of a green tinge. Again, it probably wouldn't be much. Just a tiny, tiny bit. Has, has, is, that has been, that's a, a characteristic of arsenic. It can be. Right. Okay. But you're not, it's not going to be like you're green like a, a no, bean. Ma'am. No, so it might, you know, just like you said about jaundice earlier, you're yeah, not yeah, like bright yeah. yellow. You're just a little, little tinge of yellow to your skin so that could be the same thing and that's been exaggerated over time because again that fits in with the idea of the the fairy world or the kind of yeah. the, the woodland folk but there's another suggestion which was made in 1998 by a writer called paul harris which i find incredibly neat and satisfying right i will tell you it they were suffering from a condition paul harris suggests well, he's got actually this whole theory about that they were uh, children of Flemish workers right. that were, had come to the, the area. And so he, in his theory, like he's sort of got things to explain each part of the story in a rational, logical way. Yep. But it, other writers have like picked bits of it apart. <laughs> but yes, the suggestion that they were Flemish, either or- orphaned or just lost, that came across the village of Warpit. And he suggests they'd been lost in the woods for quite some time. As a result, they were suffering from a condition called hypochromic anemia. Okay. Historically, this was known as chlorosis or green sickness. Oh, okay. So there is something that can turn you green. So they, he, at the time, they weren't saying, oh, it's hypochloric yeah, anemia. Yeah, of course not. And this can be caused by malnutrition or okay. a lack of iron in the body. Right. And apparently can lead to, again, not bright green, but a bit of like a, a greenish, greenish tinge. A greenish tinge. Well, that all sounds very reasonable. And... As the diet of the children improved, once they'd been taken to the manor the house and away. started to eat normal food, yeah. the condition improved and their skin returned to their normal Caucasian colour. Well, that does make sense. It's neat, isn't it? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, but it has now ruined the magic of the story, hasn't it? Well, but it's not. Look, it's a theory. But a very plausible theory. It's just a theory. So that, I like that. It's neat. Yeah, yeah. So could be that, could be that. How are you doing with your drink there? Mm, I'm mostly done. 
Because I'm just thinking there's a tiny bit more, but okay. we should maybe just have a little sure. sipette of the green fire drink <laughs> just to get us on our way. Okay. Now, the green fire drink we have had before in cocktail form, it's the Ancho Reyes Verde. It's made of green chilies. And actually, it's kind of yellowy. I was going to say that. The bottle is green for sure. So, but, um, um, but you know... It's the tinge of a skin gone a bit wrong <laughs> through illness. <laughs> That's enjoy, what I like to think about when I'm drinking Enjoy your drink. Um, now, there is a different theory. What do you think it might be? A, a different theory that is grounded in reality. Uh, I'm going to say no. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I refer you back to my earlier comment about the, fu- the future and shell suits. They're children from the future. <laughs> I like that children of the future idea. I mean, you're not a hundred miles away. Well, I, li- I mean, I like any of that time Go- travel. Ghost or- no, not well, not necessarily time travel, but more the idea that there's other things living in parallel existence with us, and that the you oh. know the walls between those worlds are thin, <sighs> and in certain places drink. you can slip between those worlds. Yeah, I like very that too. Um, Alan Garner. I'd say. Yeah, no, it's not that. It is, of course. It's aliens. Oh, what? No. It's bloody aliens. No, what? They're alien children? Yes. Well, I suppose they would be green. (laughs) Yeah, because if there's one thing we know about aliens, (laughs) (laughs) they're green for sure. (laughs) Oh, don't get started on aliens. Well, I'm going to, I'm afraid. I mean, so the suggestion being that they visited (laughs) in the old 12th century and haven't bothered to come back since. Chris, look, (laughs) let me say something to you. If you're the kind of person who thinks that these are alien children. Yeah. Do you really think that you think they visited in the 12th oh, century and they've no, never been back since? they're always here. Exactly. Yeah. They're mass abducting people all the time. Yeah, but they're not leaving their green children behind. That was a mistake. <laughs> they made that mistake once. They made it's a not mistake. going to happen again. So that's also, that's a theory that's persisted over the years. What does the man from ancient aliens say? Because these would be quite ancient. <laughs> With his big hair. Yeah. He'd love this. And actually, it's not, it's a modern idea compared to when this happened. Oh, that's a spicy drink. Chris's face is contorting. But yeah, the earliest... bloody Henry of Baskerville. No, what was his name? William. Henry, William of Baskerville. Orange. No, what? No, the original in the book, in the story. Ralph. Ralph. Ralph of Cogswell. Ralph of Cogswell wasn't saying Cogswell. It's, it's probably interplanetary visitors, was he? No, he wasn't, but... Um, he didn't know about them in that time. Philosopher Robert Burton, in his fucking massive book, it's massive, The Anatomy of Melancholy, first oh, published... Okay. First published in 1621, right. he refers to the case of the Green Children of Woolpit in a section about astronomy, where he's talking about other lands and other worlds, Is he? other planets. And he says, he describes them as two green children that fell from heaven. And he's talking about the possibility of life on other planets mm. and that kind of thing. And he uses this case of the Green Children as a kind of example of how we might interact with extraterrestrial life. That's quite interesting, isn't it? I wonder I wonder when the first instance of the idea of life from other planets, because I would never have put it as early as the 1600s that people were thinking about that, but I suppose it makes sense that as soon as people were discovering yeah. the fact that there were different planets of course, and different I mean, objects, because you might in a sense, conclude that they were similar to our espe- own Especially and- once Enlightenment thought begins and you kind of escape from the idea that we were created by God and that God is the only possible way to understand the universe and, and our world, you move a bit away from the idea of human exceptionalism. And so if you see through these newly developed telescopes or that kind of thing, and you see another planet or a star or a moon, why wouldn't you? You know, you'd think, well, maybe, of course, we can't be the only ones. Yeah. 
I just hadn't really thought about it. In terms of, I suppose, in terms of popular culture, it doesn't come until much later, does it? No, with the idea of space travel, I suppose, because yeah. then comes the idea of encountering them in these Although, spaces. Although, you think of the classic sci-fis of the early era of sci-fi, that was pre... Was that pre-space travel? I suppose I'm thinking of things H. like... H.G. Wells. Yeah, H.G. Wells and then stuff like Forbidden Planet. The chances Planet. of anything <laughs> coming from Mars are a million to one, they said. Yet still they... Da, da, da. I, think, I think we'll have to edit this out. I'm sorry. Oh. So the bit, the description that uh, Agnes or the girl gave of this twilight world mm. some writers have found that to be very evocative of the idea of kind of the dark side uh, of the moon exactly exactly <laughs> or a planet far from the sun right where the sunlight never goes oh this is a fiery drink but they're not going to be didn't she say something about they were looking after their parents cows that special moon cows one mention of it with cattle this has given me oh, a bleeding eye <laughs> bleeding eye or bleeding out tears oh Ooh, crazy juice as joe would say yeah and of course, the idea of the little green men and the green children. Hang on, though. Hang just, on. Just to go back a step. Sure. She married. You were saying that there's the suggestion that there are even descendants. Yes. Which means they had children. Yes. So you're saying that... I'm not saying no, this. No, okay. Well, you are reporting that there's a possibility that she was an extraterrestrial who was therefore or... mated with a adult human and produced offspring. Possibly. Or another idea. They were abducted. Human children that were abducted oh, lived for a time in another world, or you know, with some aliens, got deposited back. So that I'm just, I'm just reporting. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'll remove. My I'm in, I'm face. in, I'm a neutral conduit for this information. <laughs> if you want to read more about that sort of side of things, I'm guessing you don't. But our <laughs> listeners might. By my skeptical. Um, alien visitation researcher Duncan Lunan writes about this quite extensively. That's interesting. His name should include Luna. Luna, I thought that too. And he suggests that it all adds up. Well, no, what he says is he's read... He's read a lot about, you know, he's read Paul Harris laying yeah. out, like, it's because this, this, this. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, it doesn't fit. He's read other why, why does he think it doesn't fit? Just historical things are wrong. Um, he just, he finds nothing quite fits the bill in terms mm. of explaining the, the full story. Right. He says, think about their sudden appearance. They can't say how they got there. He says they're very strange. Their language is completely unfamiliar. Their clothing's unfamiliar. They're green for fuck's sake. Yeah. He says take all this together. What other possible explanation can there be? Hmm. I I agree with Paul Harris <laughs> that they were Flemish and and hyperchromic anemia played its part. Yes. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. It's an interesting story because I think it shows how an event from a small seed can grow into people can put their own meaning onto it yeah. and um i think the folklore aspects are really interesting because it shows how you don't get a neutral retelling really of anything it's very very difficult as a writer to say i'm going to just report this completely objectively yeah. and neutrally because yeah. you've already got assumptions you've already got all these cultural contexts and, well, and also narratives. by the point it was written down it would have been it would have gone history, exactly so it would have gone so, through several stages of chinese whispers effectively. yeah <laughs> yeah so it already tied in with all these pre-existing ideas about strangeness and magical beings folklore mm. all that kind of thing yeah i mean i suppose you could argue that the strangeness magical beings folklore was the aliens of its day wasn't it yeah in terms of explaining something so. unexplained but mm. because it's 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 at the limits of what we understand that's it's true. just outside the limits of what we understand i wouldn't quite agree because i think that folklore is very much rooted in everyday experiences yes and yeah, rituals, sure, but it's, but it's whereas 
using alien life as an explanation is like completely outside our understanding. It's something that no, no, no. I think it, I think alien life is only fractionally outside of our realm of understanding. Yeah, in the now. Same way. Yeah, now. But you're saying that, that nobody was suggesting they were aliens back in the 1100s, were they? That's only been suggested retrospectively. They were saying that they. You're right. Okay, I see. So, what you're so the solutions they were giving back in the day, yeah, were just outside the realm of understanding That's true. in the it same was a way different that world. Alien is now. Yeah, you're right. They were still saying it was another world, something otherworldly. But anyway, that's that's kind of the end of The Green Children of Woolpit. It's a good story, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, we'll decide latterly if this is a full stranger or mini stranger. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, I guess we'll do some more recordings. Haven't got a lot of recordings. choice. Haven't got a lot of choice. Not doing Chris anything is, else. Chris is going to have to be involved. Okay, well, thank you for listening. Now, do tell other people about this podcast. I don't promote us very well or often. So, you know, if you know anyone that you think would like to listen, please let them know. And I hope you enjoy. See you next time. Bye-bye.